0: Welcome to the Mystery Junkie Podcast, where each week we are sure to satisfy your craving with some of the most intense and suspenseful mysteries. Thank you so much for tuning in, and let's get into this mystery. Okay, so... In 1957, there was a muskrat hunter who was out checking his traps, you know, laying down his traps, and he actually came across the boy in the box. He found the body near a park just north of Philadelphia, but he did not report it because back then, and I'm not even sure about right now, but back then laying the muskrat traps out, was illegal. So he figured if he called the police, that the police would come and confiscate his traps and find the boy. Okay. So to me in finding the boy, that would be more important, but that's neither here nor there. So he didn't report it. He just kept laying his traps and taking care of his business. So several days later in the same location, there was a college student. He was out On break, and he was actually spying on the girls from another local college. And he came across the same body, the boy in the box. At first, he didn't report it because he figured they would be like, Well, why are you out here? You know, what were you doing out here? So after a while, he did report that he found a body outside that was in a box. So when the police finally got to the crime scene, they found the body. It was a boy who was between about three to seven years old. He was naked. And before they pulled the body out, upon just seeing, you know, his face and figuring his age, the police, they were hopeful. They figured that they would be able to identify the body because of his age. But once they were able to completely pull his body out of the box, they saw how completely starved and malnourished he was and how dirty he was. So... I guess in the minds of the police, they figured, well, if this was a clean, healthy young boy, it's going to be somebody out there looking for him. But because this was a starved, scrawny, malnourished, dirty boy who was buck teeth, you know, he wasn't well kept. They figured nobody would be looking for him. So they figured that that was going to make their job all the harder. So once the body was pulled out of the box, they realized that his hair had recently been cut. But it wasn't freshly cut. It was like someone had cut his hair in a rush. His hair was matted. And the hair that was cut was clumped up and clung, clinging to his body. His eyebrows were plucked. And like I told you, his teeth were very buck. He had very buck teeth. The police also noticed that he was covered in several surgical scars, which is kind of weird because unless, you know, he was born with a... Illness, I guess, upon birth. Most three to seven-year-olds don't have that many surgical scars. But he had, um, most notably, his scars were on his ankle, his groin, and his chin. So with high hopes, the police fingerprinted him, hoping that they would find a match in their system. But they didn't. Flyers, about 400,000 or more, went out with the image of the boy that they had a forensic expert do a facial reconstruction of him. But still, years, no one came forward. Throughout the duration of his case being investigated, the crime scene was searched several times. But apart from finding items of children's clothing, all leads basically led to nowhere. And I'm not sure if I mentioned this in the beginning, but yes, the boy was naked, but when he was found, he was wrapped in a plaid blanket. And the box that he was in is actually a box that was from J.C. JCPenney that held a child's bassinet or a baby bassinet. So unfortunately, the investigation into this case, it did run cold. It was hugely publicized and it garnered the interest of several, several amateur investigators. Um, There were several theories that turned up, but the most notable theories was the one where the medical examiner in this case, according to the people that were closest to this case, the medical examiner became very, very obsessed with this case, and he even consulted a psychic. And a psychic had told him that the boy in a box came from a local foster home. So that medical examiner went to the foster home and he decided to do some investigation of his own. Coincidentally, he did find a blanket similar to the one that the boy in the box was wrapped in. And he found a bassinet that looked just like the one the boy in the box was found in. So basically, I believe from my research that the police were told about this theory and when they went to the home they did find the blanket they did find the bassinet but I guess according to their reports it wasn't enough information there for them to I guess basically close the case saying that something had happened there um basically the psychic and the medical examiner they kind of put together their own theory that the boy in the box belonged to the owner's daughter so you know And any time, especially the 50s, if a woman had a child out of wedlock, even though it's kind of normal now, back then it brought shame to the family. So it's thought that the boy in the box was thrown in the park to hide the fact that the owner of the foster home's daughter had had a baby out of wedlock. And I'm guessing he got sick and instead of taking them to the hospital, they just discarded his body. So there was actually another theory And this one's kind of crazy. This is a shocking theory, but this one emerged 40 years later. Okay, so with this second theory, um, during my research, there were two references for her. They first referred to her as M second reference that I found for her was her name was Martha. Either way, I'm just going to refer to her as M. So basically M came forward and she claimed that the boy in the box had been purchased by her abusive mother and that her mother abused him for several years. So on the night in question before the boy was thrown out in the park, M says that the boy was eating dinner And he vomited up his dinner, which consisted of baked beans. She said angrily, her mother slammed the boy's head against the wall as punishment. And after she did that, she attempted to bathe him, during which he died. Initially, the police followed up on his lead because you guys, nobody knew that the boy's stomach was checked upon death and that he had eaten baked beans. Baked beans were actually found in the boy's stomach. And his fingers had appeared to be wrinkled from water. You know, when you sit in the bath too long and you get real wrinkly, his fingers were, excuse me, his fingers were wrinkled when they found him. These were two pieces of information that were never, ever shared with the public. M also said that the boy's hair was long. That would be consistent with what they found when they found the boy in the box. Remember I said his hair was freshly cut and that clumps of his hair was found on his body. Unfortunately even though all of this evidence showed that she may have known what she was talking about. The police let go of the theory because they were unable to verify M's claims. The police went to neighbors. They went to the friends of M's mother asking about these claims and all of the friends and neighbors denied ever seeing a boy, especially a child in the vicinity of their neighbor's house. So the theory was actually dismissed by the police as being ridiculous And in another report that I saw, they even referenced him as being mentally unstable. So those two theories were thrown out of the window when to me, that second one, (laughs) you know, you guys, that one kind of like, it wasn't too far fetched. It seemed like everything was adding up, but unfortunately everything was thrown out. The case was still a cold case, but in 1998, the body of the boy was exhumed due to advances in forensics and DNA and DNA was extracted from his teeth and his body, but still nothing was found. No matches were found in the system. So after they were finished testing the DNA, his body was moved to Ivy Hill Cemetery in Cedar Brook, where a plot was donated. Okay. Initially when the boy in the box was buried, The police officers that investigated his case were nice enough to pay for his funeral and pay for the plot that he was in. And later on, after the exhumation of his body, he was moved to another, I guess, a nicer cemetery. So then again, because people are very curious about this case, in 2008, a world-renowned forensic artist came up with a new theory. Now, he believed that the boy in the box was raised as a girl. Remember, Martha M. did mention that the boy in the box had long hair. Okay, so Frank Bender, whose work in the facial reconstruction field helped identify mass murder John List, he considered that the child's quick haircut and plucked eyebrows were signs that the boy had may have been made to look like a female. Now, during my research into the boy in the box, it was several interviews that had been done, but because some of them could not be confirmed to be real. I didn't mention them previously, but because of the part where Fright Bender said he could have looked like a girl, but his hair was cut. I do want to include the portion of an interview from the boy's barber. So the barber was um, interviewed and said that he had cut the boy's hair a day before. But my issue with that is, and why I really didn't want to mention it is because If you cut a child's hair, and this is something that you do on a regular basis, and you're trying to say that this child's hair is well kept, wouldn't you know the family? Wouldn't you know his name? So I think that was just someone who wanted their five minutes of fame. That's why I didn't mention it. But he was trying to say that he actually cut the boy's hair two or three days before he was found. So although Frank Bender came up with another theory of the boy in a box being made to live his life as a girl, and he even went so far as to make a sketch of what the boy in a box would have looked like as a girl, nobody really took to that story and it kind of died off. So again, eight years later in 2016, two writers contacted an investigator Because they had a theory that there was someone in Memphis who kind of looked like the boy in the box. So a DNA test was done to compare the relation between the boy in the box to the person found in Memphis. But the results showed no connection. Unfortunately, the case was still cold currently. Currently. The boy's grave is always surrounded by flowers and stuffed animals placed by locals who've heard the story. His headstone reads, America's unknown child, with the smaller inscription, Heavenly Father, blessed this unknown boy. Several other theories have been presented, you guys, um, though all of them have eventually been discounted. It seems like the mystery of the boy in the box might never be solved, and that America's unknown child could remain that way forever.